Uh, this morning, um, we're going to continue on talking about um, Christian warfare. Uh, you know, this Christian conflict that we're we're engaged in. It's a spiritual battle. Uh, we're we've we've talked a lot about uh, some of the involvement, the origins of it. Uh, uh, the enemies that are there, and we know that there's multiple enemies that are out there. Uh, there are certain ones that we have to address in a certain way. Um, and again, just to make it clear, that in order to win that battle that is without, with like the world and the devil, we have to make sure that the war that is within is 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 finalized. It's done. It's over with. We can't be um, at war with God, uh, we can't uh, be at war against his word, against his will, and against what his commandments are. Uh, we have to understand that concept of submission and uh, seeking to do um, what he desires of us. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about this. We talked a little bit about the change, and uh, that is where our capacity is found in order to be able to uh, accomplish uh, any uh, um, uh, battle or engagement we have to understand that we have a new man. We obviously are, as uh, I've heard uh, said, and I continue to say and repeat, repeat and reiterate, uh, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were instantly drafted into the army of God, and uh, there are uh, a um, there are no um, conscientious objectors or those that uh, choose to sit out this battle. Uh, you're either going to be part of the battle or you're going to be a casualty on the battlefield. Uh, so it's one or the other. And uh, obviously, you don't want to, to be that casualty. You don't want to uh, be in that position. So uh, one thing that we're going to take a look at, and I want you to turn over to First John. First uh, John. I um, want to take a look at this uh, morning is um, this, uh, if you will, part of this battle that is within us that we begin to understand some of the origins that happens within us. We talked about over there where, where Paul was talking about that, that war that's in his mind and over his mind, if you will, about uh, doing what is right and doing what is wrong. And there's the conflict between the two. And as we continue to progress through this, we're going to see that there are some key things that we as Christians are going to have to engage in. And these things are going to originate not necessarily always from the outside, but we're going to have to battle some things of our own will on the inside. So if we take a look here uh, in First uh, John, let's turn to chapter 2, First John chapter 2, and he begins to make some identification of a few things. When we understand that this conflict that we are engaged in is going to have some influence from the world and some influence from the devil. And we obviously saw that in Genesis chapter 3, that there was the um, the deceitfulness of, uh, of the devil in, if you will, deceiving Eve into that transgression. But uh, we, we also see that there's a willingness of just kind of doing it on our own. As we often said, and I continue to say as well, um, you know, the devil gets blamed for a lot of things that are our own faults. Uh, <laughs> we are the ones that do it. Uh, we are not the ones, you know, it's not all about, uh, um, uh, the devil coming in and tempting us or, or anything of that nature. It's, a, it's about, uh, you know, we understand those things are in the world and we allow them to influence us into doing our own will. 
And we find this in verse 15 of 1 John chapter 2. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he's making a very, very big distinction here. And he's saying, look, if you say you love God, then there is going to be a lack of affection for the things of the world. And this lines up right in line with uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, transforming our minds, making sure that we don't have a worldly mentality. Uh, and, and again, that lines up with Romans chapter 7 uh, and Romans chapter 5 for that matter. But in verse 16, here we see how some of this engagement begins. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So here is this idea and this concept that when we begin to understand more about uh, how we engage and where these battles are going to take place, we have to understand that they're going to uh, take place in our, our the deepest part of us. What, what we really want, what, what it is that we desire, what is it we, we even have, a, if you will, as a desire of our mind about ourselves, what we think of. And here, he makes it very clear in verse 16, where he says, it's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life. And, and to a degree, we can take a lot of what we see that are the temptations of this world and bring it down to those narrow, very narrow categories. You know, a lot of the issues that we have in this life about why we do things the way we do them is because of pride. It's just because of pride. We'll, we lift ourselves up. We think of ourselves uh, more highly than we ought to. We 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 do things in such a, a way that it benefits us, that it glorifies us, that it puts us on a pedestal. It's 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 the us first mentality. It's the us first mentality, and and, and there's a huge problem with that. There's a huge problem with that because that's not God's priority. That's not how God lays things out. The very first thing that he tells the nation of Israel is to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, or all, you know, all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their might, all their strength, everything that they have of themselves. It continues that into uh, the Gospels where he reiterates it over and over again and even into the Pauline epistles. He goes over and talks about that and he says that the first, that's the first part. That's the very first thing that we can do. The greatest commandment is if you love God, the rest are going to be a lot easier. They're going to be a lot easier. And I will tell you that this come, this is what it boils down to when we're talking about the engagement in dealing with the lusts that are there. It comes down to what we love more. What we love more. If we have a desire more for God to please him, to love him, we are not going to put ourselves before him in form of pride, idolatry. We're not going to put our, put, put what we want, that lust of the flesh, that, that, that momentary, uh, if you will, pleasure that's there that exists and passes. We're not going to look at things in this world and have that lust and desire for them. We're going to look to our savior, see what he wants in our life and do it. But again, it comes down to what is going to affect us more. What is going to affect us more? We understand we live in this world. We get, we, we can't escape this world. 
We're, you know, we're not going to be, you know, the first Christians and say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go and uh, we're going to go. When they start the colonies on the moon, we're going to go live there. When they start the colonies in Mars, we're going to go live there and say, well, hey, then I'm not in the world. Well, the world will follow you there. Okay. The world is not just this earth, this physical uh, terra firma that we're on, but is also the mentality that is there of mankind, societal. And we have to ask ourselves in a frequent manner, in a frequent, uh, 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 on a frequent basis, asking ourselves, what affects me more? What affects me more? I'll tell you, a person that wrestles with uh, the things of uh, <coughs> of this world are going to be people that wrestle with anxiety. People that wrestle with uh, uh, worry and fear, they're allowing the world to affect them more. When we start looking at how other people are affected in other ways, we see people making decisions to to do things that are 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 very sinful. We see that what affects them is that pleasure, that desire that they have, more than the desires of God. So there has to be a change, obviously of heart, a change of mind that we see. Now look, this is a big task. Because here we are, we're, we're in this world, we're faced with these things on a day-to-day basis. You really cannot escape them. And what I mean by escape them is seclude yourself so that you can, you know, live yourself in a little Christian bubble and never have any contact with people. Well, first and foremost, God never called us to live in a bubble. He never called us to be a unabomber living in a shack, okay? He he, he specifically said we are going to, uh, you know, be in this world. The world is going to hate us because it hates him. So we have to figure out how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? We're, we're constantly inundated on a day-to-day basis with the things of the flesh, with desires. How are we going to uh, uh, deal with what we see? How are we going to deal with what affects our physical flesh? How are we going to deal when, when our, 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 if you will, our ego or our pride is bruised? We see it more and more. It's, it, it just seems to be increasing with, with a greater amount. And I don't know if it's because there's a greater amount of cameras to record this or if it's just because uh, it, it's just getting worse and worse. But I will tell you this, you could drive on freeways. And, and again, I, I, Abby came down yesterday and I told her, I said, oh, by the way, there's some new changes here in the state of Washington. They've done away with all speed limits. It's every man for themselves at whatever speed you can do. Honestly, the other day I was driving on the road and that's what it felt like. That was my first thought process. It was like, good grief. Nobody told me we were running Indy today. I got to get the, you know, get the old numbers slapped on the side of the soul and go to town, I guess. I, I don't know. This is ridiculous. You know, here I am just trying to cruise along and try to maintain a speed at a little bit over 70 miles an hour. And these people are passing me like I'm sitting there. It's like zoom, 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 using the emergency lane to pass, and it's just like, and I'm not talking about these, you know, these little go faster, you know, import cars or anything like that. I'm talking about great big, you know, four wheel drive trucks driving at that speed, vans, sprinter vans driving at that speed. I'm like, oh, that'll be great when you have to make a turn. You ever see, you know, there's a law of physics that takes place with those things that high. 
And you see these trucks laying over on their side, and you're like, good grief, why did they do that? Well, again, you know, speed. We look at all of this, and we say, man, we're going to be influenced by this. And we see more and more rage, road rage incidents. You know what road rage is? Pride. It's pride versus pride. It's pride versus pride. And nowadays, look, you never know what the other guy's armed with. I mean, really, it, 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 it can be, it can end very badly for you. So you know what? Let it go. Don't engage. Just, just really, honestly. Is it really that big of a deal that he told you you were number one? You know, rejoice in the fact that you're number one in somebody's life. Did you get to occupy his mind for free for the next 15 minutes? <laughs> and he sits there and sees about it. That's probably not the right way to think about it, but you understand what I'm saying is don't engage. And for some of us, that's a hard thing to do. Now, it may not be for road rage, but I tell you, when it comes to other things that happen in our life, that's the mentality. I want you to turn over to the book of John, John chapter 16. And while this seems hard, I want us to understand a couple of things. Now, now with this Christian fight, with this battle on a day-to-day basis, we obviously have, if you will, a commander-in-chief. Somebody that is in charge of this. The captain of the host, which is Jesus Christ. So understanding who he is and understanding what he does, we know that we can follow him into any battle and do exactly what he tells us to do, and things will be fine. If we follow the commands. If we follow the commands. And look at this. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. <clears throat> And uh, as, as we go down through this, and I wanted you to get to the end of the chapter, and he says in verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. You know, one of the great things about the Word of God is, is it gives you peace. Well, it doesn't give me peace when I read that it convicts me of my sins. Yeah, it does. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you're, you're again, there's no conflict. But here he says, he continues on, he says, In the world ye shall have tribulation. Now, we know that. We know that. How many of you had troubles this last week? Yeah. This this last week, Dan and I were talking about some things and talking about lessons we learned this week. And the lesson I learned was, is you know what? The lesson I actually learned is, is why do I even go to the doctor anymore? I'm just going to go to my chiropractor because he fixes everything. There's some, you know, again, look, you know, I'm not promoting chiropractic care as, you know, the end all of everything. It's not going to cure your cancer, Okay. It, it, let's just make it clear here. You know, there, there are limitations to it. But I say it somewhat facetiously. I, 
I've been having some issues with one of my legs, and then the other day it's just really painful and, and it's hurting, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, why is it doing what it's doing? And I'm just kind of trying to figure out what's going on, and and I and I go to the doctor, and and you know he's looking at it, and he's like, well, we got to rule out DVT. DVT is deep vein thrombosis. Uh, you know, he's concerned there might be a blood clot in my leg because if you've ever had COVID, there's a good chance you might. And 25% of the DVT resulted in some sort of serious complication, such as a blood clot getting thrown to your lung or your brain. That'll make for a bad day. So I'm just sitting there thinking, okay. And he's like, so we get this checked out. And he said, and this isn't a tomorrow thing. This isn't a next thing. He says, I'm sending you over today. I go trudge over to the, uh, the, the ultrasound tech and, and he, you know, gets all the gel and he's going to start looking at my leg and stuff like that. And as he's going through looking at it, I'm like, what do you see there, man? And he goes, well, good. He said, good news. It's twins. And <laughs> some of you didn't get that, <laughs> but <laughs> he, he kind of chuckled and laughed. And the, at the end of it, he's like, I don't see anything. So there's no blood clot. Uh, the, the other ultrasound doc took a look at it, said everything's fine. Uh, the doc I went to, he looked at it and said everything is fine. He said, I don't know, we gotta figure this out. And, and sure enough, I go to my chiropractic appointment, I'm sitting there talking to Dr. Taylor, um, he was filling in for Dr. Tom that uh, day, and I lay down there and they tell him what, what had happened, and he goes, oh, okay, he grabs a hold of my foot, and he goes, oh, this might be a problem, this bone's supposed to be moving, it's not moving, and next thing you know is you hear the audible gunshot of a crack of your bone. And then I get off of it and I'm like, he's like, how's that feel? I start laughing and I'm like, good grief. I'm just, feels better. Feels better. And I'm just sitting there thinking, why? You know, why? And we look at that and we, we, you know, we kind of call that tribulation, right? We call that trouble. Yeah, it inconvenienced me and made my day a little bit more difficult. Oh, boo hoo. You know? Let's take a look at what the tribulation that these apostles were about ready to go through. Let's take a look at the tribulation that the nation of Israel is going to go through in the great tribulation. Uh, it doesn't even compare to, to the paper cuts that we get here in this Christian life. Let's talk about what, what the, you know, Christians are going through in the Ukraine right now. Uh, being forced to, to, to not have church services. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. Now look, you, I, I'm not trying to convince you one way right, uh, right or wrong about what's going on over there, but I will tell you this, Christians are suffering because of persecution over there because Russia is not favorable to Christians. I wonder why. Well, they don't want a meeting together for prayer meetings. Why? Probably because they might understand that there's a power of God there. I don't know. They don't want a meeting for services. So our tribulation may be minor, may be mild, but I'll tell you this, you know, when we start talking about trials and tribulation, we all got to understand we're going to go through it. But the great part about this verse is this last phrase that I haven't read here. He says, uh, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, look, we may look at this life and say, well, it's impossible to fight temptation. It's impossible to seclude ourselves from it. Yeah, it is impossible. He just said we're going to have these problems. We're going to have trials. We're going to have temptations. We're going to have stuff come. And that is a huge, huge ask of us. But here he says, be of good cheer. 
Meaning, first and foremost, don't let it, don't let it get you down into the despondent part of life, into despair. We should be cheered and we should have good comfort when we realize that Jesus Christ overcame all of that. Here he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And he did that for us. For us. And here we are looking at this, we can have great comfort and we can begin to automatically realize, hey, there is the possibility of a victory here. I just have to do what he tells me to do. I just have to love the things of God a lot more than the things of this world so that the, the things of God have more effect on me than the things of the world. This becomes the mindset. Let's go down uh, to, to another passage. I want us to go over to 2 Corinthians. I want us to see some things. Because when we engage in this fight, there's a couple of things that we have to know. <clears throat> when you go into basic training, uh, you go into basic training, they begin to teach you. Basic training isn't just about running around endlessly, even though it seems like that's all they do. But they, 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 have, they have things you need to know. And things you need to know. You go into the Marine Corps, they slap down a big book of the history of the Marine Corps, and they say, learn it. You're like, what? Yeah. They want you to know. They want you to know what other people have gone through. They slap down the manual for your rifle, your M16A2, or whatever issue uh, M4 that you've got, or whatever whatever uh, it is, piece of equipment that's given to you, because they want you to know it. They teach you, they train you, they, they, they're like, I want you to field strip this. I want you to break it down, do its components, parts. I want you to clean it, I want you to put it back together, and I want you to do it in record time. Why? They want you to know your equipment. They sit down and they have silhouettes of various different things that you can look at and say, well, I know what that is, that's a, you know, a T-72 battle tank, and I know what that one is, that's an M1 Abrams. Why? So that you can identify friend and foe. They want you to know. They teach you. Now granted, they, 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 they break you down and they, they, they break your mind and then they build you back up the way they want you to. And then you never think straight from there on out. But, but the end result is, is that they want you to learn some things. So before we begin to engage in any combat, we've got to know a few things. First and foremost, we've got to know who the enemy is. We, 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 we really truly do have to know who the enemy is. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to talk a little bit here uh, about the devil, about Satan, about what he does, okay? Because there is origination, as we've seen, with a lot of these things that are there. Uh, sin was introduced into the world. It was brought in by, by the devil when he started questioning God's word. He deceived Eve. Um, you know, sin was had. And then everything changed. But what we find here is God says this very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> and and, and I, again, I want us to go um, go back up here a little bit. Here he is talking about, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, having individuals uh, coming and making repentance. And and uh, you get there and to this uh, um, part in verse 10, he says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For... If I forgive anything to whom I forgive it, and for your sakes, I forgive it in the person of Christ. So here he is talking about forgiving somebody. 
He's saying, okay, look, if you guys forgive him, I'm going to forgive him. He's like, and if I forgive, you know, kind of the, mind, you know, the mindset is the same person, you know, the same idea here. And it's all done in Jesus Christ. You make, and I want to be clear here. It says in the person of Jesus Christ. You, you will have a hard time forgiving if you do not use Christ to do it. And what I mean by that is that you begin to think about what you've been forgiven of. You begin to think about what he did on the cross. You begin to go, okay, you know, I, 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 my sin is no worse than anybody else's sin. I can't hold this grudge against them because God doesn't hold it against me. My sins are washed away. My sins are as far as east is from west. So why in the world would I continue to hold on to something? So he says, talks about forgiveness here. And here's here's why. Because if we don't, guess what happens? It opens the door for the devil. Take a look at verse 11, and this is what I want us to see. He says in verse 11, lest Satan should get any advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You realize that unforgiveness is a satanic act. He just called right here in this passage, he said unforgiveness is a tool of the devil. Now that, that, that will definitely change the way we look at forgiveness, won't it? Because here he's making it clear, he says, you don't want Satan to get an advantage over you. So the very first thing is, we have to begin to realize this, that we know who, who our enemy is, and what he's gonna do to us. We gotta know tactics. We gotta know tactics. You gotta know that when all of a sudden you're over here fighting and all of a sudden it gets a little bit lighter with the fighting over here, but you're not gaining any ground, you've gotta know that somebody's probably trying to come around and flank you. You gotta be aware of where the ambushes are. You gotta be aware of, 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 of the vulnerabilities of your equipment and of your troops. You've gotta know when and where to do certain things. You know, right now we're being, you know, when it comes to, to, to warfare, we're being provided a whole slew of what modern combat is going to look like. Why in the world would you try to drag a whole, plan, you know, pl- battalion of tanks across a river in broad daylight with, <laughs> with no air cover? Who in their right mind does that? The Russians. And they just, all they did was just use the drones and they dialed in, uh, uh, you know, the, the artillery and they just blew the bridges apart and blew all the tanks and sunk the tanks in the river and they're burning on the shore and everything else. Destroyed just hundreds of these things. I'm just looking at it going, man, this is reminiscent of, of you know, the Six Day War when Israel just went in and they, here's, they had them all nice and lined up all along the road and Israel's just dry, you know, flying their planes and they're just like, tick, 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 blowing them up as they're going along, dropping the bombs. I mean, they made it easy for them. You gotta know tactics. You gotta know how to fight. You gotta know the way that the enemy's gonna fight too. And here, what do we see? He says, we are not ignorant of his devices. 
We should not be ignorant of the tools of the devil that he will use against you. He will use unforgiveness. He will use discouragement. He will use, uh, yes, various temptations of your, your, your lust of your flesh. He will, he will use fear. He will use, uh, I mean, just the tool chest that he has just seems to be endless. We have to know and understand what he's going to do. That's why all of these things that we find in Scripture were written for our learning. Not just so we can go, oh, well, that was nice. Or, ooh, that was ugly. No, what do we do? We take a look at it and we say, okay, well, what can I learn from this? What can I learn how how how, how Satan got an advantage of them? I'll give you another example. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 and 20, uh, 27, they're all one thought here. He says, uh, be ye angry and sin not. Okay, so we can be angry and not sin. So we just have to know how to use the anger correctly. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Meaning, don't let yourself sit there and stew on it. Deal with it. Address it. Use anger appropriately to solve the problem, not create more problems. There's a way to do it. Because when we don't, what happens in verse 27? Neither give place to the devil. When you misuse what God's given you with anger, and we know anger is not sinful because God gets angry. He gets wrathful. So we have to be careful about what we do with it, how we use it. When we don't use the things that God gives us, we are letting the devil take control. We're we're, we're essentially saying that he can rule and reign in our life, if you will. Now, he's not going to come and necessarily possess you like he did with Judas. But I'll tell you this, it's the devilish satanic mentalities. It's antichrist mentality that John talks about over in 1 John. This is the concept. You know, when he was talking to the, the Pharisees in John chapter 8, year of your father the devil. Liar and a murderer is what he called him. And then obviously inferring to the, the Pharisees that they were the same. That they were the same. Why? Because they had allowed certain things that were contrary to God's word to affect them. Go over to the book of Matthew. Matthew um, chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Here we are, we're at the garden. They've had the supper. They come out. Jesus goes to pray. Um, He takes uh, Peter... James and John with him to go a little bit further into the garden and he begins to, to pray in verse 39 and he asks this cup to pass, but he says, um, that he wants God's will done, the Father's will specifically. And as he comes, he finds in verse 40, and he cometh to the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, what? Could ye not watch with me one hour? One hour. Peter couldn't keep his eyes open. And somebody's going to say, well, it was food coma from the supper. No. 
Jesus gets it very clear here in verse 41. He says, watch and pray. The inner not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we got to know the enemy, that the enemy is going to go for your weakness. He's going to go for your weakness. Look, the devil understands what human beings are, okay? He knows uh, very clearly how we were created and what we consist of. He knows exactly where to get us. I mean, he knew exactly where to get Eve to make Adam fall. He he, he tried it with Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. He tried it with God the Father, God himself, in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. He he by no means is, I mean, he he's going for weaknesses. He's probing for those weaknesses constantly. And he will look for those in a physical form. The physical form. There's a lot of things that we have happened to our life, you know, that happen to us in a physical sense that, that it will affect us and have a huge effect on us spiritually. But I'll tell you this, our mindset should be to have the Spirit affect the flesh. The Holy Spirit of God should guide us and direct us and, and line up exactly what we are supposed to do as Christians. The flesh should never be leading us. We should always submit to the Spirit, not submit to what the flesh wants. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So we've got to know the enemy. We've got to know what, what, what's going to happen. But also at the same time, we have to know uh, for us, just like any soldier, you got to know when when to fight. I want to show you a couple of things. <clears throat> Go over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is true, and I'm going to use this as an analogy. But you have an individual that says that they're going to uh, obtain a permit to carry a concealed firearm. They have that permit. Uh, Just because they have that permit doesn't mean that they need to be whipping that thing out every chance and opportunity that they get. You know, there are certain times that you need to refrain from doing that. You need to be careful. You know, I've watched a lot of, uh, a lot of videos about this and, and one of the ones that really sticks in my head was somebody who was a concealed carry permit saw, sees this guy go into a Walmart that looks really suspicious. He's got guns in the car. He's pushing it in and he just, he zeroes in on this guy and he's following him. This is a citizen, not a cop. He's following him because he wants to see exactly what's going on. And he sees this guy go down the aisle and the citizen draws his weapon. Guess what he didn't see? The guy's wife who was right behind the citizen sees him draw his weapon. And what does she do? Shoots him dead in the back. Now, you know, whether you should have engaged or anything of that nature, there's there's some things that needed to happen there. We have to know all of this. You know, there are certain times that even though you have the power to do something that is maybe may end the conflict very quickly, there's times that you just need to run the other direction. 
You just need to run the other direction. I mean, all of a sudden you're walking through Walmart and you see like about six or seven guys armed with AK-47s in the cat food aisle and you're just sitting there like you walk down and you go, looking for my fancy feast, hold on. Put it in the cart and just keep moving and get out. (laughs) Get out as fast as you can. Zigzag, zigzag down the aisles, man, yelling and screaming, gun, 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 and watch everybody get out. There's times that it's better to run. Let me give you an example. First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> he, he says here in, um, oh, let's see here. Let's go back up here a little bit, uh, into, uh, verse 11, it says, But uh, thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, uh, patience, meekness. This is what we're supposed to follow after. But when he says flee these things, what is he talking about? He's talking about all of these things up above where he's talking about that individuals were blaspheming, individuals were uh, desiring riches, individuals were trying to think of themselves more godly than they actually were. They were going about in verse uh, verse 4, what is talking about this individual, he's proud, knowing nothing, doting about question and strife with words, where Therefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. And he says what? Flee them. Flee. Don't engage. Turn around. Go the other direction. You flee it. You flee it. Did Joseph stand there and have a dissertation about what was morally right with Potiphar's wife when she tried to seduce him? Did she, did he stand there at, when, when, when she caught his coat and did she say, now look, we shouldn't be doing this because, you know, here, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm your, your husband's uh, servant and, and this is just wrong and God, God doesn't want me doing this. And no, he didn't, he didn't stick around. Out the door. He's gone. He didn't want any part of that. He was ready to deal with whatever repercussions later on. Now God obviously had a plan with all of those things. And God used that in a way to glorify the Lord. I mean, that's very evident. But he fled. He fled. There is a time to flee. Take a look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Uh, 2 Timothy in chapter 2. And what does he say here in verse 22? He says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, interesting. God always says, flee, but follow. Flee, but follow. If we're following after those things that we're supposed to, it will be a lot easier for us to identify these tactics and turn the other way when they show up. He's talking about flee youthful lusts. Flee youthful lusts. 
Now look, youthful lust still plague those that are of age. They will always be there. There will be desires, you know, again, put it bluntly, old men will still want to have the same power that young men have. A youthful lust. Young men want the same power that they see old men have. It's youthful. And what do we begin to see here? We see people doing things that they ought not be doing. And here he says, flee it. Flee it. So you know what? As part of this, not only do we have to know the enemy and be aware of his tactics as we're going to kind of go through and find some of the things about, but we also need to know when to run. We need to know when to turn tail and move. And look, that's not being a coward. That's being wise. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. It's not a situation to stand your ground. There are certain things that God says to stand on, but very clearly he says when it comes to these, run the other direction. Run the other direction. Same same situation, we also need to know when to resist. James chapter 4. Let's go to James chapter 4. We need to know when to resist. James chapter 4, he's talking about war. He's talking about conflict. He's talking about fighting between each other. They're at each other's throats. And this is a common thing, by the way. This is a common thing that goes on. Uh, uh, and, and he talks about, you know, the lust. He's talking about what they're doing, trying to consume it upon their lust. And he talks about how God gives more grace. And what he means by that in verse 6, giving more grace, is that God's grace is always greater than any lust or desire you have in this world. Now, I want you to think about that. God's grace is greater, his work, what he's done, what he will do, and what he is doing in you is greater than anything that you could ever possibly want in your flesh. But we gotta think that way. We gotta think that way. But as you go down here in verse 6, he says, but God giveth more grace, wherefore he said, uh, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You wanna know how to get more uh, grace in your life to be able to have that? Learn humility. Learn how to be humble. I mean, again, that was the mind of Christ according to Ephesians, or Philippians chapter 2. So here we are in verse 7, he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. The first thing you got to do is submit yourself to God. There's a process. There's a process. You submit to God, guess what you can do in the rest of that verse? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil left Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ was demonstrating submission to the will of the Father. In obedience. And the devil left for a season, is what the Bible says. Look, he's going to come back. He's going to keep trying. He's going to keep probing those defenses. He's going to keep looking for those weaknesses. But here's what he says. Resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the things of temptation. Resist the things of the world. Resist the things that are contrary to God. Resist all of those Everybody wants to resist. Everybody wants to resist. You know, we're, we're, we look at this country right now and there's a bunch of people that want to resist on both sides. 
And, you know, people are talking about, you know, picking up arms. And, and I'm like, yeah, 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 no. No. Please, no. Because, you know, when that happens, what happens with that is people got to live, live with the aftermath of it. Watching people die. Watching our family die. Watching our sons and daughters die. Watching our, our, our moms and dads die. Nobody wants to see that. But people get focused on resisting. I tell you what, you know, the first thing they need to learn how to do is they need to learn to submit to God. And then they'll know how to resist the right way against the right enemy. Resisting. There's a time to resist. You gotta know when to resist. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Interestingly enough, I mean, he says right there in verse, uh, 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 verse five, he says, likewise, ye, ye younger, uh, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Wow, that sounds real familiar. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But look, at he continues that thought. Whom resist? Who? The devil. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? Well, what's the key to the resisting? Humility. Humility. Therein lies the issue. People are not going to know how to resist the devil and resist the right way. You got people running around saying, "Well, I'm going to go ahead and grab the you know, grab the tail of the uh, the devil and swing him around and you know whatever." And 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 and, and look, <clears throat> if a person is in gross sin and they're committing gross iniquity and they are still having a desire to do that, then they go through a tribulation or a trial, and they're praying to God to relieve it, but they're unwilling to give up their sin, there's going to be a limitation of grace, isn't there? Why? Because they haven't submitted themselves to God, they're not humble, and they can't resist the devil. Well, they're like, well, I want to resist the devil. I want to resist what he's doing. I want to resist all those things that he's doing over here in this area, but not this area. No, it's an all or nothing deal. It's an all or nothing deal. You can't be a United States soldier and have an allegiance to a foreign army. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way in the army of God. It doesn't work that way in the army of God. So what we saw is we also saw that one of the key things is we, over there in Ephesians chapter 4 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11, we have to know how to prevent the advantage. You never want the enemy to get the advantage. You never want them to, quote unquote, get the high ground. You never want them to get, uh, um, you know, uh, reinforced. You never want to, to get them, you know, in a, in a way that they've got you pinned down. You know, 
just using it as another example, if you've ever played paintball, one of the things that you know that you can't do is you can't just, you know, bunker yourself down. You, you, not sure what that was. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of those old BDMs. Um, it, it, uh, you, you can't let them get you pinned down. You can't just crawl behind a piece of cover and stay there. You gotta move. Otherwise, they're going to get an advantage over you. Why? Because they'll sit there and they'll pound that little piece of plywood that you're hiding behind and they'll pound it and pound it and pound it and you won't see the other guy coming around to flank you. you got to make sure that you know when the devil's going to get an advantage. When we misuse the things of God. When this is where we need to be very careful. Very, very careful. I want you to turn over to, um, well, we already turned over there to Ephesians chapter four, but you know, again, I just want to, uh, just, just mention it again. You you never want to let the enemy get a foothold where he shouldn't. In verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Never let the devil get a foothold in your life. Don't allow the temptation and the things of this world to get a foothold in your life with whether it's a wrong sinful act or wrong sinful thought and that's usually where it starts. Don't let him get the foothold. Don't let him set up camp. Don't let him start to reinforce himself. Bring the thought into captivity and don't give place to him. So many times I've seen it where you get these people and they will just, because of their careless living, they will allow the devil to get a foothold in their life. And then five, six years down the road, they look at it and they say, well, why is my life a complete disaster? Because over here... You gave him an inch. And this is where we begin to know when to stand. Now we'll take a look at that, Lord willing, next week, uh, knowing those things, but, but, but again, we've got to know how to go about doing this. There's a very specific way that we engage in this behavior. We engage in this Christian warfare. We'll find out more about it, Lord willing, next week. But let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to just look into your word, receive this instruction, encouragement, Lord, and if you will, the battle plans of what we need to do in this Christian life. Pray, Lord, we'd take these things, we'd hide them in our heart, Lord, we'd use them, apply them with wisdom, an understanding, Lord, that we may be able to submit humbly to you and resist when we need to resist and flee the sin when we need to flee the sin. And Lord, again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.